0: Good afternoon. Nice to see you today. Today I'm going to do a reading. Uh, it will be a straight reading, so I'm going to take my headset out. Uh, there will be no panel, and this will be a reading from Seven Pillars of Wisdom, which is the book from which uh, Lawrence of Arabia was based, and the movie, that is, which was a 1961 Best Picture um starring Peter O'Toole in the in the title role. But the role is about a genuine hero and a genuine genuine hero's journey. And the significance of that is that I think so often in movies and other genres, uh, we tend to think that the hero can be some uh, immaculate conception guy who uses his laser blaster a few times and then is declared the hero and off he goes into the sunset with the girl um, but that's not the way life works and it's not the way the hero's journey actually works and so the hero's journey is about individuation. And this book, Seven Pillars of Wisdom, I'll just share the screen, uh, the, the title page or the, I'm sorry, the cover of one version of it with you now. And the, this book depicts an actual hero's journey. Indeed, from my lights, uh, T.E. Lawrence was the, mo- the greatest and most effective serving officer in any of the armies of World War I, uh, whether German or Allied. And uh, he, along with a, a few of his colleagues, managed to do something that was just incredible. And so over the next few weeks, I'm going to do some readings from this book, and the idea of it is that you'll get a sense of the wonderful writing that T.E. Lawrence did after the war. And it's such a beautifully written book that it's really worth your time. Uh But also, um, I want to pick out some cherries from this book to give you an opportunity to hear what they are. And, uh so i'm going to start this series at, toward the middle on page 233 of my version of uh, the seven pillars which is here um and um so it's on 233 page 233 um down toward the bottom of the first page in chapter 63, of The Seven Pillars of Wisdom. And this first piece amused me rather much, and it was an incredible statement about the origins of Christianity. And so I'm going to share it with you. To set the scene, if you've seen the movie Lawrence of Arabia, uh, you'll know that it, the whole first part of the movie is about uh, an attack on Aqaba. And that was really the beginning of T.E. Lawrence's war. And once Aqaba was opened up, uh, it allowed British ships to bring supplies to the Arab armies. And it allowed uh, Lawrence to go forth into the rest of Arabia and uh, conduct a campaign up to Damascus um but and during this time um you probably remember the in the movie where he's first um he's first recruiting alda abutai to be a part of his attack on Aqaba at the beginning. And uh, Auda Abutai was played by Anthony Quinn in the movie. And before they go for Aqaba, uh, Auda says to Lawrence, uh, come have dinner with me at Wadi Rum. Well, Wadi Rum wasn't just a visit and one night's dinner. It was actually the base from which... Lawrence operated for the next two years and so this piece which is a part of chapter 63 um, comes at a time when they've been doing a lot of operations and uh, one of the things that he had to do was uh, go from Wadi Rum down to Aqaba for Uh, various issues and then he came back and so i'm going to pick up the the book at the point where he comes back um, where he comes back to room and this is the part i want to read to you today and i won't be responding to comments on the chat until the end Uh, so i Apologize for that, but um, Abdullah and I went off before dawn and in the afternoon, after a friendly ride, reached room to find all safe. So anxiety was lifted. Sheriff Abdullah, Sharifa Abdullah, at once got to work, having collected the Arabs, including the recalcitrant gossip he began to smooth over their griefs with the ready persuasiveness, which was the hallmark or which was the birthright of an Arab leader and which all his experience served to wet. In the idleness forced on him by our absence, Lewis had explored the cliff and reported the springs very good for washing it. So to get rid of the dust and strain after my long rides, I went straight up the gully into the face of the hill, along the ruined wall of the conduit by which a spout of water had once run down the ledges to a Nabatasan, a Nabatasan wellhouse in the valley floor. It was a climb of fifteen minutes to a tired ty- to a tired person and not difficult. At the top, the waterfall El Shalala, as the Arabs named it, was once a few yards away. I'm sorry, was only a few yards away. You have to, I have to apologize for my reading because I'm seeing double for reasons only God knows. And so I have to block the vision of one of my eyes if I want to be able to read and that limits the correctness of my reading. But anyway. So he's at the waterfall. Its rushing noise came from my left by a jutting bastion of cliff over whose crimson face trailed long falling runners of green leaves. The path skirted it in the under ledge. On the rock bulge above were clear-cut Nabothetian inscriptions and a sunk panel incised with a monogram or symbol round and about were Arab scratches, including tribe marks, some of which were witnessed of forgotten migrations. But my attention was only for the splashing of the water in the crevice under the shadow of the overhanging rock. I think what I'll do is give you the um, give you the cover of the book as a better thing to look at than me struggling through the book here okay from this rock a silver runlet issued into the sunlight i looked in to see the spout a little thinner than my wrist jetting out firmly from a fissure in the roof and falling with that clean sound into a shallow frothing pool behind the step which served as entrance the walls and roof of the crevice dripped with moisture thick ferns and grasses of the finest green made it a paradise just five feet square upon the water cleansed and fragrant ledge i undressed my soiled body and stepped into the little basin to taste at last a freshman of freshness of moving air and water against my tired skin it was deliciously cool I lay there quietly, letting the clear, dark red water run over me in a ribbly stream and run the travel dirt away. While I was so happy, a gray-bearded, ragged man with a hewn face of great power and weariness came slowly along the path till opposite the spring, and there he let himself down with a sigh Upon my clothes spread over a rock beside the path for the sun heat to chase out their thronging vermin. He heard me and leaned forward, peering with roomy eyes at this white thing splashing in the hollow beyond the veil of sun mist. After a long stare, he seemed content and closed his eyes, groaning. Quote, The love is from God, and of God, and towards God, and quote. His low-spoken words were caught by some trick distinctly in my water pool. They stopped me suddenly. I had believed Semites unable to use love as a link between themselves and God. Indeed, unable to conceive such a relation except with the intellectuality of Spinoza, who loved so rationally and sexlessly and transcendentally that he did not seek or rather had not permitted a return. Christianity had seemed to me the first creed to proclaim love in the in this upper world, from which the desert and the Semite, from Moses to Zeno, had shut it out. And Christianity was a hybrid, except in its first root, not essentially Semitic. Its birth in Galilee had saved it from being just one more of the innumerable revelations of the Semite. Galilee was Syria's non-Semitic province, contact with which was almost uncleanness for the perfect Jew. Like Whitechapel to London, it lay alien to Jerusalem, Christ, by choice, passed his ministry in its intellectual freedom, not among the mud huts of a Syrian village, but in polished streets among fora and pillared houses and rococo baths, products of an intense, if very exotic, provincial, and corrupt Greek civilization. The people of this stranger colony were not Greek, at least not in the majority But Levantines of sorts, aping a Greek culture and in revenge, producing not the correct banal Hellenism of the exhausted homeland, but a tropical rankness of idea in which the rhythmical balance of Greek art and Greek identity blossomed into novel shapes, tawdry with the larded passionate colors of the East. Gathering poets, stuttering their verses in the prevailing excitement, held a mirror to the sensuality and disillusioned fatalism passing into disordered lust of their age and place, from whose earthiness the ascetic semite religiosity, from whose earthiness the ascetic semite religiosity caught the tang of humanity and real love, that made the distinction of Christ's music and fitted it to sweep across the hearts of Europe in a fashion which Judaism and Islam could not achieve. And then Christianity had had the fortune of later architects, architects of genius, and in its passage through time and climb had suffered sea changes incomparably greater than the unchanging Jewry from the abstraction of Alexandrian bookishness into Latin prose for the mainland of Europe and last and most terrible passing of all when it became Teuton with a formal synthesis to suit our chilly disputatious North. So remote was the Presbyterian creed from the Orthodox faith of its first and second embodiment that before the war, we were able to send missionaries to persuade the, these softer Oriental Christians to our presentation of a logical God. Islam too had inevitably changed from continent to continent. It had avoided metaphysics except in the introspective medicine, except for the introspective meti, mysticism It had avoided metaphysics, except in the introspective mysticism of Iranian devotees. But in Africa, it had taken on colors of fetishism to express in those, in a loose word, the varied animalities of the dark continent. And in India, it had to stoop to the legality and literalism of its converts' minds. In Arabia, however... It had kept its Semitic character, or rather the Semitic character had endured through the phase of Islam, as though all the phases of the creeds with which the town dwellers continually vested the simplicity of faith, expressing the monotheism of open spaces, the path through infinity of pantheism and its everyday usefulness of all pervading household God." By contrast with this fixity, by which my reading of it, the old man of room, loomed portentous in his brief single sentence and seemed to overturn my theories of the Arab nature. In fear of a revelation, I put an end to my bath and advanced to recover my clothes. He shut his eyes with his hand and groaned heavily. I tenderly persuaded him to rise up and let me dress, and then to come with me along the crazy path which the camels had made in their climbing to and from the other water springs. He sat down by our coffee place, where Mohammed blew up the fire, which I sought to make him, uh, while I sought to make him utter doctrine. When the evening meal was ready, we fed him, so checking for some minutes, his undercurrent of groans and broken words. Late at night, he rose painfully to his feet and tottered deftly into the night, taking his beliefs, if any, with him. The Howitah told me that lifelong he had wandered among them, moaning strange things, not knowing day or night, not troubling himself for food or work or shelter. He was given bounty of them all and as an afflicted man, but never replied a word or talked aloud, except when abroad up by himself or alone among the sheep and the goats. Unquote. So that there ends my reading for today. And, um, It's kind of a fun reading, my wife Debbie, I read this to her, and she said, The crazy wisdom math masters are in fact crazy <laughs> and uh, and you know that seems to be the case in all the religions of the world, so anyway, uh, that's a beginning. Um, I think you get a sense of how uh, numinous the writing of this book is, and I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, tomorrow, I'm going to read a passage about um, Lawrence's selection of his bodyguard. As you m- may remember in the movie, uh, Lawrence of Arabia, immediately after the intermission, there's a scene where um, Lawrence is going through a pass with a throng of Arabs around him and Ali who was played by Omar Sharif is complaining about the men that were riding with him, his bodyguard. And he said, what are you doing with these men? These are all criminals. And, um, and Lawrence just ignores him and rides on with, um, uh, with his bodyguard, which ultimately Um, reached 90 men. And so I'm going to read the part about from the book about his selection of this bodyguard and why he needed to. Um, The Turks had placed a bounty on the heads of all British officers. The bounty was 100 pounds. But for Lawrence and for Ali, I think, the bounty was 20,000 pounds. And obviously that uh, price on his head made it quite possible that someone from his revenue retinue uh, would come and grab him and turn him over the, to the Turks. So he had to have a bodyguard of his own uh, just to prevent that from happening. So tomorrow I'm going to uh, read the raucous section in which he describes how he selected these people. I hope you enjoyed that, and hello, Patricia and Stephen Hall. Um, it's nice to see you. Uh, so I've been reading from uh, Seven Pillars of Wisdom, Wisdom by T.E. Lawrence, and this is the book that is the basis of Lawrence of Arabia, the movie that won Best Picture in 1961. And um, and I'll be reading passages from it for the next uh, couple of weeks. Uh, I've now read it for the second time. And what I realized as I read it the first time was that I had really lived this experience that T.E. Lawrence had lived, not by warfare with the Bedouins, but I have worked with Arabs very definitely and for a long time. And, um, and so certain aspects of managing men and people and so on are very revealing in this book. And, uh, and so it, the book really tells about one man's individuation and what's important and what's not. And so I hope you will all read it, but, uh, and I, I will say by the way that, um, it's, it's quite quite a lot of blood and gore in this movie, in this book, uh, as there was in the movie, but way more so in the book. And, um, It occurred to me at one point that women wouldn't like to read this book, uh, but maybe they will. Okay. Because in the, in the sense of, um, understanding, uh, what war is like, women don't often get a chance to, um, experience the violence of war. Uh, you know, when, when men come back from war, there's, there's sort of a silence from them. Uh, they tend to have an, a thousand yard stare and, and, uh, you hear a lot of people saying, dear old dad didn't tell me anything about his time in the war. And so if you read this book, uh, you'll understand why. Um, but uh, the book is the basis of the movie Lawrence of Arabia. So to get a short version, uh, you can just watch that movie and there's a director's cut now of, um, three and a half hours long, which is just an incredibly done piece and everything of substance in that movie actually happened. Uh, so uh, it's it's interesting to see how the screenwriters folded it in uh, into the movie. And, but, you know, I just want to emphasize to you that I think this is uh, one of the most beautifully written books ever written. So I think it's worth your time. And I recently read it for the second time. Again, I saw myself in the book and thinking of myself as having lived a lot of the types of events that occurred to uh, Lawrence, although not all the violence, because I I didn't do it in, in a time of war, but many of the types of events that occurred to Lawrence also happened to me in my career. So uh, at least I can say I recognize myself and the sorts of forces in the world that I was forced to deal with over many years, over a 40-year business career, uh, which hasn't ended yet. But, um, But I certainly experienced persuading people of very different uh points of view to work together and so that's part of the point uh, but uh I, I couldn't possibly share it all with you but uh anyway i'll share the a few um cherries from this book over the next uh, couple of weeks i'm planning to uh pass this book along to a friend in two weeks time. So it's going to be a short time. So until then, uh, I will see you and thank you for joining me.